Good evening, Raleigh. It is Tuesday, January 29th, and welcome to this week's Eye on the Triangle. I'm DeAndre Jones. And I'm Jake Langwan. We thank you for tuning in. Tonight, we dive a little bit into the issue of co-ed housing and some of the challenges and considerations that must be taken into account. In addition, Raleigh is in the process of trying to spur a new local arts scene. More on that later. In addition, Jean recently took a trip, and she wrote about what it's like traveling on a student budget. In a film about hillbillies, but is it worth your time? Stick around. But before all of that, Jasmine Shepard has the weather for us. Jasmine? Thanks, Jake, and good evening, Wolfpack. I know you are loving this weather because I know I am. Today we reached a high of 73 degrees with a low of 59 degrees. But tonight be prepared for a few showers due to a 10% chance of rain. Tomorrow the high will be right around 74 with a low of 48. There will also be an 80% chance of rain along with isolated thunderstorms and strong winds in the forecast, so make sure you have those umbrellas ready. Thursday, get ready for some sunny skies and a 0% chance of rain, but unfortunately, the high will be dropping down to right around 50 degrees, and the low is expected to hit 36. Friday, 41 degrees is the high, and a 10% chance of rain is expected. But later on in the evening, expect the low to be right around 24. Saturday, we'll be seeing some partly cloudy skies, and the high will be 49 degrees with a low of 35. Similar to Friday, expect a 10% chance of rain to occur throughout the day. Sunday, we're hoping to end the weekend off right with a high of 53 degrees and a low of 32. Sunny skies are in the forecast, so get excited for that. That's all for the Weather Wolf Pack. And remember, don't put those jackets away too soon because this good weather isn't going to last forever. So as I recall, it was snowing four days ago? Yeah, this weather's crazy. It is. Okay. All right, just, just making sure. And now for the latest in the news. Thank you, DeAndre. Senator John Kerry was confirmed today as the next Secretary of State. Senator Kerry, who has served in the Senate since 1985, was confirmed with an overwhelming majority by the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, a committee he once chaired, with only three dissenting votes. Mr. Kerry will succeed current Secretary Hillary Clinton. A federal judge in New Orleans today approved the largest criminal penalty in U.S. history. District Court Judge Sarah Vance approved the $4 billion fine against BP for the 2010 oil spill. Now, last November, the British oil company pleaded guilty to no less than 14 criminal charges, including manslaughter. The $4 billion will be repaid, will be repaid over a period of five years. Investigations continue in Brazil after a fire in a nightclub in the city of Santa Maria left 234 people dead last Sunday night. The club owners, as well as several members of the band playing that night, were arrested in connection with the fire, which was started when a pyrotechnic show went horribly wrong. Questions have been raised about the safety of the club that night, which was allegedly packed to the legal limit the club was allowed to have at one time. The case is similar to another nightclub fire in Rhode Island in 2003. The station nightclub also caught fire from a pyrotechnic show and left 100 people dead. Finally tonight, Iran claims it has sent a monkey into space. Iranian news reports claim the monkey was strapped into a Pioneer rocket and launched 75 miles into the sky on Monday. The monkey returned to Earth safely, although news agencies outside of Iran have no way of confirming the story's legitimacy. That's all the news. Thank you, Jake. UNC Chapel Hill recently approved co-ed housing. I spoke with Heather Robertson, the president of the UNC Residence Hall Association, about some of the challenges and issues that arise with co-ed housing. Hey guys, this is DeAndre Jones for WKNC, and I am talking with Heather Robertson over the phone. She is the president of UNC's Residence Hall Association, and we're going to be talking a little bit about gender-neutral housing today. Um, so Heather, to start off, what do you think is the purpose of having gender-neutral housing? Well, the main purpose of gender-neutral housing, or gender-non-specific housing as it's also called, is to really make students feel more comfortable in the residence halls. There are some students that don't feel safe or don't feel like they have a voice um, they feel like living in the residence halls may be dangerous because they don't have an environment that suits their lifestyle or, or just them as a person. And so this is a, a program that with the purpose of helping those students who feel uncomfortable, who don't feel like they're safe, to really give them a place to feel safe in the residence hall. 
particularly with the LGBTQ community, to really foster their just continued development within the residence halls and to keep them staying on campus as well. Okay, so how long has this topic been debated on your campus? First time I heard about it, or at least the residence hall associations heard about it, was in the spring of 2011. When you look at it, it's not actually too far ago. I mean, it was passed, I guess, a year and a half later. But I guess since spring 2011 is when it first started getting talked about. And then in the fall, during the spring, that's when things started getting serious. Um, people were signing petitions. They went, the coalition went to organizations to get, um, you know, votes of support, that type of thing. And was this a controversial topic on your campus? I mean, yes and no. I think the students are for it. I think they understand that we're obviously, Carolina, we're a very liberal campus, and we want to fit the needs of every type of student. And so this was something that I think a lot of the students were like, it's a no-brainer. I also think that some of the students who might not have liked it, who might have disagreed with it, also didn't know a lot about the program itself. And then the administration, I think they knew what the program was, but just logistically, as a large school, were we ready for it? That was where there was some controversy as well. But in general, people people were supportive of the whole idea. Do you think that this was something that your campus needed? That's a really good question. Did we need it? Yes, because uh, if you look at statistics about where people are either attacked or feel uncomfortable or some sort of conflict. I mean, obviously, number one is Franklin Street. That is kind of like the big street on our campus. But also in the residence halls is another big one. And obviously, as a residence hall association, we want everyone to feel comfortable. And so if people aren't feeling comfortable, we see that there needs to be something changed. And so this program is going to come in and change it. I think, in general, it's something that was going to happen regardless because, you know, we're all moving forward. And so this is one of those things where we just had to just do it because there were people that didn't feel safe and that they wanted something like this. And so, you know, we try to listen to the voice of every, every Carolina student. So, yeah, definitely. Right. And watching out for the students is definitely the purpose of the Residence Hall Association. Do you think that every campus is ready for something like this? Logistically, I don't think every campus is ready for it because you have to look at your current campus and how things are situated you know, where are you going to put a program like this in the residence hall? So logistically, I don't know if every campus is ready for it. Um, I also don't know if every campus is ready for the whole idea of gender, gender non-specific housing if they don't have an open mind or if they're not willing to learn about it. I think that some people, off the top of their head, they just hear that people of different genders or different sex can live together and automatically just shut it down and think boyfriend and girlfriend can live together. Well, that's not what it is. Um, I think it takes an open-minded campus and a campus that really understands that if they don't do it, no one else is going to do it. And I think that's also what sort of the program was, the fact that if UNC is not supportive of something like this, then other schools in North Carolina aren't going to be supportive of it either because we are a big school on campus, our big, a big school in the state, and we're, you know, we're one of the flagship universities. So, Right. And the reason I asked that question because coming from – a more conservative university, of course, uh, being NC State, which is you know just right down the road from UNC. You know, I'm not sure that our campus would be ready for something like that, and I'm not even sure that our campus would have even heard an idea like that. I personally think it's really, I mean, it's really good that you guys have taken that step forward. And speaking of step forward, uh, personally, do you think that this is a step forward for your own university? Yes, I do. I think it's going to open up a lot of doors, and it's going to make us look like a university that listens to our students and also accepts a lot of different type of students. 
We value diversity here at UNC, and this is a program that will really foster diversity and really take care of those students that might feel different from everybody else, but, you know, make them realize, hey, we're all the same while Carolina students. Um, so I think it's a giant step forward. I don't think if we didn't implement it, we would be any worse off, like we would have been going backwards. I just think that this is a step forward that was going to happen any time. It's just been exciting that it's happened during, you know, the time that I've been here at least. So Definitely a huge milestone. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't know if you know any logistics about this, but do you know how soon this is going to be implemented? Um, yeah, so it's going to definitely be starting this fall, 2013. And the logistics of it haven't been exactly sorted out. I've heard that they're going to put some rooms in Ram Village, which is kind of like our wolf village. They're going to have apartment-style rooms um, for the program. I also think they're going to put some more on North Campus to have some variety in the types of rooms. Right. But logistically, um, I think housing sorted out where they want the students yet. But I think they're going to be about 30 to 32 spots available. We'll definitely let everyone know the final logistics once I think housing knows. And uh, being the president of the Residence Hall Association, I know that you guys play a, a really big role in connecting the students to housing. What was, or if there was any, what was the Residence Hall Association's uh, involvement in this effort? Yeah, so the whole gender non-specific housing was led by a, it's led by a group of students that basically created this coalition to support it. And obviously now it needs the support from, obviously, on-campus residents and the Residence Hall Association. And that started way back last year. Ball. So we've been supportive of it and have had knowledge of it for quite a while. Our role hasn't been as big as I would like it to have been. We helped, obviously, with getting the word out there. But the coalition themselves, with the LGBTQ Center, um, got the signatures they needed, did all the base research, um, and really pushed this forward. Um, I would have liked to have had more involvement as an organization, but we did we did what we could um, to support them by giving them our vote of support, helping out with getting signatures, putting on programs in the residence halls to help educate residents about this. Um, so really going over kind of the, the history of what it is, what the coalition would like to create on campus, you know, getting rid of the, the theories that it's going to be boyfriends and girlfriends living together, that type of thing. So really clarifying the situation is what I think our organization helps out with the most. I know that the whole boyfriend-girlfriend living together thing probably was the idea's biggest opposition. If that were to happen, do you think that that necessarily would be a bad thing for the school? So, obviously, a lot of people have asked about this. That's obviously not, not the purpose of the program. Yeah. And this program has been started on all of our campuses, not a public university in North Carolina. They have one at Duke. They have some at other peer institutions around the country. But they have... I've obviously looked at who's been signing up for this program, and it hasn't been boyfriend and girlfriend, and that has not been an issue for the program because that's not what it's designed to do. Right. It's designed to really foster those students that don't feel comfortable living in a normal living situation, and that's most likely going to be the students that are you know, LGBTQ. Um, it's open to anybody, but um, as far as you know, the other programs that have happened around the country, the boyfriend-girlfriend thing has never actually happened it's just kind of what everyone thinks would happen but people people don't sign up for it like that you know right so generally just a stereotype yeah definitely it's just one of the things where you would assume people would do it but they actually don't 
All right. Well, um, that's about all the questions I have for you, Heather. Um, I'd like to thank you for giving me your time today. And I definitely hope that this is an opportunity to make our university and universities you know, across North Carolina really, really start thinking about what their residents need. Most definitely. Well, let me know if you need me to talk to anyone else or get any more information. I'll let you definitely know what the logistics are once they come out for starting in the fall. All right. Well, thank you, Heather. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And for Eye on the Triangle, this has been DeAndre Jones. Men and women living in the same suite, what do you think? Grant Buckner asked around campus earlier. Here's what some people had to say. Recently, UNC has gained some attention regarding their decision to create gender-neutral housing on their campus. While roommates would remain of the same sex, students in the program can live in a suite, which is a group of dorm rooms that share the same bathroom, or a campus apartment with students of any gender. Supporters of the option have said that the move will benefit students, specifically gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgender students, who are being harassed and bullied in traditional on-campus housing. I asked students at State what they thought about this decision and what they might think of having the same type of housing on our campus. I mean, I know students that live together off campus Mm -hmm. in those type of situations, so I think the only problem would be if parents would be okay with that or not. I mean, I understand if the LGBT community feels uncomfortable, but if they do feel uncomfortable, they can always move off campus if they want to, because I do know some freshmen who are off campus. They don't require you to stay on a campus like other universities, so I'm not trying to single out the LGBT community, but if that did go through, then I, I see both sides. Yeah. What would you think about that kind of housing on state's campus? I mean, I'm not on campus anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. And if you could have 24-hour visitors, you can have other genders over at any time. Who's to say you can't just have two people living together? Within the suite, co-ed. Oh, really? Yeah. No, I haven't heard about that. Um, I feel like that could that could allow for a lot of problems. <laughs> Actually, yes. I don't know. I think it's cool. I don't really care. I think people should be able to do what they want. Doesn't bother me at all. <laughs> yeah, what would you guys think about maybe that on state's campus? I think it'd be good. People should always. I don't know. More options, the better. Doesn't really affect me, so yeah, she doesn't stay on campus. So. Okay, so you live off campus. Yeah, I live off campus, right. so it doesn't bother me. But even if I did, it wouldn't bother me. That's a little prejudice and bias, I think. That's the thing that's unfair. That's I don't understand why they need special <clears throat> treatment. Like, why should they get? Why should they treatment? get an additional housing option that no one else is encouraged to take advantage of? Despite what people may think about the new housing options at UNC, I'm interested in seeing just how they'll pan out in the coming semesters. Brian the Triangle, I'm Grant Buckner, 88.1 WKNC. Stick around, we'll be back with more on the way. So, what do you guys think personally about gender-neutral housing in general at first, and then we'll move to on the state campus? So, they're saying within a suite, you have same-sex roommates within one room, but in the suite, you have different sexes. Yes. I don't, I mean, I don't see why, I think, I think the biggest concern would be the parents. If the parents are okay with it, I don't see why that would be a huge issue. Yeah, I definitely think the the parents is the biggest issue, how they feel about it, but I feel like 
college should, should should promote like you know students being able to have that comfortable transition and people who you know identify with the LGBT community they would definitely feel more comfortable staying in a gender neutral housing so right and I mean to be honest you know the parents are their, their opinions are important but mm-hmm. when we get here we're adults right so we should be able well to that's, that's debatable I think okay that is debatable <laughs> yes, everybody yes. is okay, an adult well, <laughs> legally um, most freshman students entering college are of 18 years of age yeah and but most people a lot of people get help obviously financial help from their parents right. or student loans so or of what course, have you. i mean regardless the parents opinions are going to weigh mm-hmm. but um i think personally i think it's important that we can't i mean we can't exclude you know a certain group of students and to be honest if state doesn't have like or well since i mean state doesn't have it so since state doesn't have this kind of housing um that would give a re- that would give a GLBT student a reason to go to Chapel Hill as a versus state. I mean, it's just, it, it can keep students away from coming to a university that, that otherwise is a really, really great university, which, you know, which state is. Although I can see a lot of people having an issue with something like this, especially, I, I think um, a lot of people on this campus would have, you know, we, we heard a couple of people just now right. who had, pro- who seem to have problems with that. And that's another thing is that this campus is, I mean, as a, you know, of course, this campus is very, very conservative. Um, um, but I mean, it's just, it just depends. I think some people would be comfortable with it. Some people wouldn't. Um, but, um, do you think this campus is ready for something like that? That on the other hand is debatable. Um, it's really yeah, hard. It's, debatable. Yes. It's really hard to gauge at this point because, you know, there's, there hasn't really been any sort of talk about that on this campus at this point. Cause I mean, we're still trying to get 24 hour visitation in some residence halls. Yeah. We're, so. uh, we're the last two or just, just recently Brown and something else. Sime. Some yeah, something like that. But yeah, um, and also, I think UNC, um, although they've already approved it, they're also they're also tiptoeing into it a little bit because they're um, next semester in my story. You heard Heather say that she or that their university is only having around thirty two spots mm-hmm. the first semester, just to you know feel it out and see how it works out. Um, so it's you know it's important to know that they're not just like jumping into it, but. I think I think that it is definitely a step forward. Um, uh, whether it's whether our university is ready for it, that's debatable because we haven't really gotten. Um, I mean, we got what Grant just got, but that's pretty much the only discussion that has been made public as of yet about uh, gender neutral housing on NC State's campus. But I think that when the time comes, I'm not sure if the time is right now, but when the time comes, I think it's important that s- steps are taken to step forward into that into that uh, region. Yeah, I definitely do think it's a step forward. And DeAndre, you brought up a great point about, you know, you don't want a student to, you know, be deciding between state and UNC and, you know, they pick UNC because they feel like they'll be more comfortable there. So I definitely do think it's a step forward. And I guess we'll just see what what happens. I don't don't know if that's a huge factor, though. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't I'd be very hard. I think you'd be hard for us to find someone whose deciding factor between NC State or UNC was that. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, but it's it's a factor that can cause a student to be uncomfortable. And that's something that you really you know you just don't want if you can if you can help it mm-hmm. why would you want an on-campus student to be uncomfortable in what is supposed to be their home and that's coming from my standpoint and uh, my standpoint as an a member of the inter the inter-residence council on nc state's campus um and that we our job is to make sure that every student in a residence hall as much as possible is comfortable mm-hmm. and if a student isn't comfortable for that reason and we can help it then you know, in my opinion, we should. But do you think that would make more? Do you think transitioning into a uh, 
gender neutral housing would make more people uncomfortable than it would make people that are currently comfortable now comfortable? Um, only if we decided to just make a whole a whole building gender neutral mm-hmm. housing. You know, like say we just made Metcalf all uh-huh. gender neutral. But like I think UNC's model for doing it is really smart, where they're only doing you know maybe just one floor, mm-hmm. you know, thirty thirty to thirty two spots, and honestly, like. That's and it's it's almost like its own little community that so that if you don't want to be involved in it you don't have to be because I know there I mean we even here we have coed buildings yeah. where on the same floor you have right that's that's how my dorm is at Avon Ferry yeah so I don't know, I mean because if you're in a suite you'd have to share a bathroom right right and that's, that's I mean that's pretty much well the my next too. question is so when before you move into your dorm are they going to make you aware if you are going to be staying those oh, neutral oh you don't you don't you don't get put in there if you don't want to okay put in. okay yeah because um, I mean. Because obviously it's it's geared towards a specific audience, right? So they wouldn't just put pe- put like random people in there because they okay. want to reserve those spots for people that actually like prefer it. Um, so I mean, and like I think I think that personally it is a good idea because you know it's so it's just another way that we are adapting to students, modern day students, and you know students that shouldn't be afraid to live on campus because they're you know they're afraid of being ridiculed or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and as far as you know, others like you know regular students or other students that are against this, I think that you know they. I mean, of course, I can see both sides, but it's important to remember that you know at the end, tolerance is needed. You know, sure. Um, but I mean, there's plenty of students that that prefer to live uh, in apartments or off campus, and you can live with whoever you. Want. I mean, there's no restrictions. Exactly, and that's you know, of course, that's always an option. But for a freshman student. You know, I think that the options should be available. Yeah. If, you know, if they want. Yes, I agree. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, I guess we'll, we'll keep our eye on Chapel Hill and see how that works out. All right. Warehouse districts are common in cities throughout the world, and in recent decades, many have undergone transformations into local hotspots of urban life. However, our, and now Raleigh is trying to encourage a new art hotspot with a warehouse right downtown. Warehouse District sprung up because it was a good spot located in between where all the railroads were in town. It was a good central place for um, a lot of the industry to set up in town. So it became the spot to go and build your warehouse, um, your factory type area, the steel industry, um, the ice warehouses, everything from bat guano processing to woodworking. It was uh, the industrious area of town. A city's warehouse district is very often a source of pride for any city, and Raleigh is no exception. Very often old warehouses and factories find themselves being turned into restaurants, apartments, or other mixed-use commercial repurposing. And not to say that this hasn't been done here in Raleigh, but now the city wants to take it one step further. The city is looking to turn Stone's Warehouse in downtown Raleigh into affordable housing for the next 100 years. The plan is simple. Lease the property to the Historical Preservation Foundation and encourage artists to move in. The idea is to facilitate an environment that will hopefully see a growth in the local art scene and spur economic development. The city council last week approved the measure with only one council member voting against it. The city purchased the property in 2001 and will lease it to the foundation for the next 99 years. The property will be redeveloped into a 49-unit apartment complex geared toward residents whose incomes are lower than those of the surrounding area. Doing so allows for the foundation to apply for tax credits under the Low Income Tax Credits Program. The hope is that this space will appeal to artists and other entrepreneurs that otherwise would be unable to afford living in this area of Raleigh. Currently, the city is petitioning to allow the redevelopment of the property at the corner of East and Davie Street. 
A public hearing to discuss the rezoning within the City Council and the Planning Commission is set for February 5th. For more information, check out RaleighNC.gov. For On the Triangle, this has been Jake Langlois. Gene Zernov recently traveled to Boone, and as any student can attest to, traveling or doing anything, really, on a student budget can often be a challenge, but there are things you can do to ensure that you get more bang for your buck. Here's Gene with more. One of my favorite parts about living in North Carolina is the diversity of the geography of our state. You can go to the beach, you can go to the mountains. There are a lot of travel and vacation opportunities, and most of them are on a budget because you can reach there by car. So I wanted to do a segment about traveling on a student budget because I love to travel. I love to see new places, but sometimes it's not always affordable and within reach. But if I travel locally, then that will increase my budget efficiency and yield for my money. So this weekend, I made Boone, North Carolina, my travel destination. The Blue Ridge Mountains are arguably one of our state's top travel destinations, and many tourists are driven to Grandfather Mountain, which is the highest peak in the Blue Ridge Mountain chain. Blowing Rock is another popular tourist attraction, and both points are within 30 minutes from Boone. For this reason, the town is growing as a center for tourism, and this North Carolina treasure is an interesting cultural blend. It is part mountain town and part university campus. For me, this trip was made memorable by this cultural synthesis. And I think this has the ability to appeal to many different people for, you know, individual reasons. There are also activities for virtually any budget for the sole reason of the atmospheric diversity in Boone. My main expenses during this trip were my transportation costs. Boone is approximately three hours or 186 miles from the NCSU campus. And this is three hours by car, so if you're budgeting your trip, then gas prices should definitely be taken into account. If you drive a medium-sized car, $60 should be enough for the trip there and back for a comfortable amount of fuel. And as for accommodations, I really recommend staying with a friend. It's what I did, and not only did it cut my travel expenses by a significant amount, but... It enriched my experience because I got to spend time with my friends who I didn't get to see that much of, and I got to experience the town firsthand. I always think that the best way to travel, be it locally or internationally, is to stay with the local, as that's the only way to get a truly authentic grasp of the area. One of the best parts about going to school in North Carolina is the fact that a university education is super affordable, especially in comparison to other states. I'm talking about in-state tuition. For this reason, many North Carolina students stay local. So watch out, Wolfpack. I bet a lot of you have friends who attend Appalachian State University. Why not pay them a visit and experience Boone? This has been Gene Jernoff for WKNC 88.1. All right, guys. So tonight, now today is time, or now it's time for holidays of the week. What do we got? Uh, well, today we've got um, National Puzzle Day. Puzzle Day. Yes, Puzzle Day. So why puzzles? Um, I mean, it's I mean puzzles of any puzzles of any 
any kind, crossword, crossword puzzles, crossword puzzles, Sudoku, you know, even uh, puzzle games and like video or video games, um, just to help stimulate the mind, keep your mind sharp, and uh, in some cases even like learn new words when you're talking about Scrabble. Mm-hmm. So yeah. okay, so I mean, you can almost look at it, look at it as like a National Enrichment Day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, January thirty first is Inspire Your Heart. With art day. Inspire your heart with art. Yes. That sounds interesting. Um, basically, it's a day that you would want to look at art. I mean, any kind of art. And art comes in all shapes, sizes. And we have, you know, we have a couple art museums here in Raleigh. And um, just think about what kind of emotions it evokes, what it means to you, and, you know, why the artist made, you know, made these creations. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, once again, another enrichment type day. Okay. And that is January 31st. And, of course, February 2nd. Groundhog Day, is it? Oh yeah, okay. Groundhog Day. <laughs> did you forget about that? Yeah, I did. I, I don't, forgot about it as well. Yeah. I don't think about Groundhog Day. What? I don't think about it. I'm sorry. Do you think about it, DeAndre? Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't. <laughs> I mean, six more weeks of winter. Winter's apparently over. So. Yeah. Actually, for a little while. Actually. <laughs> in all seriousness, when I was little, that like Groundhog Day actually like meant a really? lot the world to, me. to yeah. you. The world I, to you. Because I believed it. I believed in what it said. <laughs> That's the thing. Now, okay. now, not so much. But back in the day, yeah, it meant a lot to me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, February 1st, I forgot. I don't know why I skipped February 1st. But February 1st is National Freedom Day. Okay. Um, it celebrates freedom, freedom from slavery and recognizes that America is a symbol as a whole of freedom. Um, this was established in 1948 to remind us what America stands for. Um, and the roots of this special day come directly from the end of slavery and the signing of the 13th Amendment outlawing slavery. Mm-hmm. It's a good thing to recognize. Yep. Um, it's, it was created by Major Richard Robert Wright Sr., who was a former slave. Hmm. Yes. Interesting. So, um, yeah, keep that in mind. Uh, February 3rd is the day that music died, and this is my, this is, uh, my personal favorite um, of this week, and that's because on this day uh, in 1959, uh, Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, and Big Bopper mm. all died in a, in a plane, plane crash. crash. Oh, yep. man. So, um, these are, you know, of course, huge musical idols of the time um, and, honestly, still musical icons of today. Sure. And um, all these people died in 1959 on February 3rd. Um, so, yeah, the day that the, 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 the day that music died. I wouldn't call it a holiday, but, yeah, that's something <laughs> yeah. to remember. Um, day of remembrance. Yeah, commemoration. And February 4th is Thank a Mailman Day. You should always thank your mailman. Always. That, oh, rain, sleet, snow. Of course. Borderline ridiculous. Borderline ridiculous, that job. And, of course, you know, there's, like, the dog thing, which I'm not sure how shooting this is. So. All right. Uh, that all the holidays for this week? Um, that's it. All right. Thanks. Um, so, for all the horror fans out there, I recently found a movie that, on the surface, seems to be a typical horror, but things are not always as they seem. Is it worth watching? Let's find out. Going camping? <laughs> They're ruthless, deadly, and a staple of the horror genre. They're brutal killers, highly territorial, and prime hunters of attractive young college students. And you'd do well to be careful if you were camping out in the mountains of Appalachia, lest you run into these fine people. I'm talking, of course, about the hillbilly. Now, the killer hillbilly is an archetype that has been done to death. Bridges of Madison County, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, House of a Thousand Corpses, the list goes on and on, and basically it goes something like this. Young, attractive people go out for a weekend of fun in some remote area, 
only to be brutally murdered by inbred hillbillies, occasionally leaving the attractive blonde alive for whatever reason. Tucker and Dale vs. Evil takes this well-worn subgenre of horror and essentially turns it on its head by putting you in the shoes of the hillbillies, who, as it turns out, aren't such bad guys after all. Tucker and Dale are two best friends headed up to a mountain cabin in the hills of West Virginia for a relaxing weekend. On the way up, they stop for some gas, where they run into a group of young, attractive college students also headed into the mountains for a fun-filled vacation. You know something, Dale? She's just human. Why don't you go over there and talk to her? Talk to her? What? What in the world would I say? you got to have some faith in yourself, man. Girls can smell fear. Now, come on. You are a good-looking man. More or less. Now, go on. Get over there. What's the worst that can happen? You know something? You're right, Tuck. I'm going to do it. All right. I'm going to do it right now. You guys, uh, going camping? (laughs) It is this kind of misunderstanding that pervades throughout the film, eventually with some very deadly consequences. But essentially, this film is a comedy of errors, one where the creepy outsiders are never really given the opportunity to explain their side of the story. The teenagers assume that Tucker and Dale are out to murder them, and of course, they do what they feel they must to defend themselves. Ultimately, by trying to stop Tucker and Dale from trying to kill them, the kids somehow manage to kill themselves one by one, usually in some very gruesome fashion. Make no mistake, this film is as gory as it is funny. Holy mother of God! What happened to you? Are you okay? What happened to me? Some kid. He just hooked himself right into the wood chipper. What? Head first right into the wood chipper. From his shoes and his pants, it looked like it might have been one of the college kids. What the hell happened to her? Well, uh, she got knocked down fell into a shirt hole right next to me. Is that your blood? Well, no. No, it's college kid blood. One of those suckers came running out of nowhere and speared himself straight through the gut and died right on top of me, Todd. Holy crap. Oh, no. Calm down. Calm down. Don't cry. Calm down. Get a hold of yourself. And it is plenty funny. It is so refreshing to see a new take on such an overused plot device, and it is done so well. Everything the protagonists do to calm the situation just make things worse for themselves. Rednecks make such unlikely heroes, especially for a horror film. They're not young, pretty 20-somethings. They're rednecks. They're fat, and they're hairy, and they're hapless. And you can't help but cheer for them every time another evil college kid gets what's coming to him. It's a stupid movie. It's funny, and it's gory, and it's worth checking out. Around the Triangle, I'm Jake Langlois. Actually, um, love that's Earl Scruggs. I actually, love banjo music, so I'm just not making fun of it. Okay. Just take a second to appreciate the banjo music. It, yeah, you gotta have some talent to play it. All right, all right, all right. So, for the latest in campus happenings, here is Grant Buckner. Here's what's going on at NC State. 
Go to the Craft Center to check out the Who Let the Wolves Out exhibition running through March 14th. View art and craft work from NC State students, faculty, staff, alumni, and Craft Center participants and instructors that reflects the past, present, and future of NCSU. On Wednesday, January 30th, check out the free financial planning seminar, Paying Off Debt While Building Wealth, at 12 p.m. in the Convocation Center of the College of Textiles. Go online to register. On Thursday, January 31st, get your goosebumps going with Paranormal Activity 4, playing in Witherspoon Student Center starting at 7 p.m. Stick around after the show for the film Seven Psychopaths starting at 9 p.m. Go online for more movie times. On Saturday, February 2nd, check out an interactive and fun class exploring the cultural origins of Wei Chi Go, one of the world's greatest strategic skill games. Go online for details. On Sunday, February 3rd, grab some chili at Case Dining Hall before the big game between 10.30 a.m. and 2 p.m. Looking for a place to watch the Super Bowl? Check it out on the theater screen in Witherspoon Student Theater starting at 6 p.m. Admission to this event is free. And on Monday, February 4th, auditions for the Heidi Chronicles, a play with University Theater, will begin in Thompson Hall in Titmus Theater starting at 6 p.m. Auditions are open to all North Carolina State students, regardless of major. Please visit the website for more information and audition details. For more information on these events and more, go to ncsu.edu forward slash calendar. For On the Triangle, I'm Graham Buckner, 88.1 WKNC. wraps up all we got for you guys this week. A big thanks to Gene Jernoff, Jasmine Shepard, and Grant Buckner for the contributions. We'd also like to thank Heather Robertson for taking time to speak with us this week. Thank you, Heather. From all of us here at Eye the Triangle, we thank you all for tuning in. And as always, if you heard anything you liked, you hated, or anything that just made you think, let us know on our Facebook page. You can also follow us on Twitter at WKNC underscore EOT. Also, be sure to check out our blog at WKNC.org. And until next week, good night.